0: I speak Jesus
1: You that we get to worship your holy name. Lord, there's none like you, and we uh, honor your greatness today. Worship you, Lord. Father, I just pray in this room, across this room, from the very youngest to the very oldest, I pray that who you are, Jesus, everything you are, and uh, would just literally affect and impact us in a powerful way. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated this morning. You know, in 2 Samuel 24, David is instructed to go sacrifice at uh, a man named Aruna's place. And when Aruna sees the king coming, he says, uh, Hey, here's the oxen. Here's everything you need to, for this sacrifice. And David says something very profound. He says, I can't sacrifice something that has cost me nothing. And there's something about giving. Whether it be uh, the resources which we're about to do, or your or your time, or your effort, or your energy, Uh, you you can't you can't really uh, bring to God what what there's not an element of 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 cost to you and I, and it's it's uh, it's what sacrifice does. When we give, it reminds ourselves that you know of Galatians 2:20. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live, I live by faith in the Son of God. And uh, so as we give today, let's just remember that, uh, that reality in our lives. Lord, thank you that we get to give today. Thank you that you are um, with us in a powerful way as we give. Thank you for the example of David who just said, uh, I I can't give what costs me nothing. And let it be a reminder to us always in Jesus' name. Amen. (laughs)
2: can Jen- all about you it's
1: all about you Jesus. thank you worship team appreciate you guys hey if you are a guest here today right here we've got these connect cards please fill them out if you would Bring them to our guest services table out there in the lobby and they have a gift for you because we want to officially thank you for being here. I always say this, when you go someplace where you either don't know anybody or you've never been there before, you are a brave person because that's not easy to do. Some of us here have never done anything you know, scary like that in a long time. So if you're here as a guest, we appreciate you being here. We're so glad that you're here with us today. A few announcements. Uh, we have for our kids ministry we have today our for current and new uh, workers for volunteers for uh, for kidsmen today 's your certification, so I believe there 's food involved i don 't know so uh, maybe that'll entice you to come and, and uh, check this out if you 're a member and you haven 't uh, gone through our, our um, uh, recertification or our certification for the first time, please see that today also for VBS. July, uh, June twenty seventh through the thirtieth is, is our Make Waves VBS. If you want to volunteer for that help in any way, please see Lucy, and she will be able to take care of you that way. Uh, for youth camp, we already have had our deposit time is come and gone. We've already registered. We got about forty going to camp, and uh, the balance is going to be due on June twelfth. June twelfth, and then the last announcement this morning, Wednesday night. This past week, we had our first. Uh, Wednesday night for Sacred Pathways, um, Nine Ways, and the subtitle is Nine Ways to Connect with God. I'm telling you, if you have a Wednesday night, just come on out for these next few weeks here and, uh, and really experience that. It's, it's really interesting and it's very powerful of how you connect with God. God wired you up a certain way, and he wants more than anything to have a relationship with you, um, and this is a great tool to be able to help you do that in a greater way. God bless you guys. Have a great morning.
3: Amen. Okay, one more announcement. Actually, um, we're going to be praying for a missions team that's going to Poland in just about a week and a half. Um, As I shared with you a couple weeks ago, there is a three-story, almost 12,000-square-foot building that is going to be rehabbed to accommodate women and children who are... You know, going basically refugees from Ukraine, and uh, I got this notice from Assemblies of God World Missions asking if we would put a team together. I contacted Chuck Parsons, who's led so many teams over the years, and uh, I mean, he had a team in no time. We have got about eight guys going, and this morning we're going to be praying for them. But I want to show a picture of the building they're going to rehab: 12 small kitchens, 21 showers, 33 toilets. Um, this place, they need to get it ready as soon as possible. Obviously, between uh, Poland. it doesn't look like much there, but they're going to fix it up and provide some refuge, a safe place for these women and children as they have left and are leaving Ukraine. Right now, I want the team to come up and I uh, want to pray for them. And uh, Chuck, who's, who's all going? Line up right here, guys. Uh, we want to pray God's blessing. This thing got put together, I mean, as quickly. I don't, I don't think you haven't had less time to put a group together, just about one month. Usually a lot of planning goes into this. Uh, anybody else here? What Did somebody cancel church? Did somebody put something on Facebook that church was canceled today? Because uh, he has more members. I know, actually, we also want to pray for Gordy and Debbie Edwards. Gordy's going on the trip. Um, Debbie is saying her final goodbyes to her mom this morning. So we want to remember Debbie, and then we're going to pray for these guys. Let's pray together now. Father, I pray that you would bless Debbie, Lord. I pray that you would give her comfort, Lord, that you would just, just touch her heart and, and any siblings as she may have. Father, I pray that you'd minister to the entire family, Lord, as she says goodbye to her mom. Lord, I pray that you would be that God of all comfort for her this morning. And we thank you, Lord, that heaven is real. And, Lord, I pray that her mom knows you and would be with you, Lord, in just moments, Father. Touch her, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. And now, if you would stand with me and reach out your hands. Let's pray for those that are here today, as well as those that could not make it. Father, we ask, Lord, your blessing on this team. Lord, that you would keep them safe. Father God, that you would keep them healthy. Lord, I know that you'll make them productive. Father, I pray that you would bless Bill Chestnut, Lord. I pray that you would bless Gordy. Lord God, on this trip, I pray that you bless Daniel and Vinny and Chuck, Lord. God, I pray there be a real sense of unity. The three guys from other churches all the way from New Hampshire, all the way down to Virginia. Father, I pray, God, that you would bless them and use them for your glory and your purpose. Lord, we thank you for this building, Lord, being offered, Lord. And I thank you for the skills and the heart of these that are going to renovate it, Lord, in just a very short time. I pray your extreme blessing on them, in Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Amen. And now I want to give you an update from our missionaries in Poland as to what's going on. Let's go ahead and show that video.
4: A lot of refugees come over the border and they want to get to Warsaw or Lublin or Krakow, one of the cities. It's a big hub in Warsaw right now of Ukrainian churches that are working together with Polish churches.
1: The crisis and the
5: need is great, and uh, we have we have like sixty percent of the refugees here are children. We feel like a, a little, little tiny piece of the puzzle.
2: it feels so fragmented right now because it's happened so quickly we've been trying to connect with people that are ukrainian in our church you know and finding out what their immediate needs are
5: You know, we're, we're, we're in a learning curve. We really don't know what's gonna happen next. Um, one day, we're in a warehouse looking at stuff and looking at the needs that they have so that they can get supplies into Ukraine. The next day, we're at the border. The next day, we're in a church where they where they're housing people.
1: People have been so generous all over the world, even here in Poland. We serve these wonderful Ukrainian refugees that are coming into our country. We're so honored and blessed to have them here, and we hope that we can take care of every one of them as they
3: come. You know, we can't even understand what it would be like to leave our homes, go to another country just to survive. And as you know, leaving, if you're married, leaving your husband behind and your father who has to fight, uh, all, you know, unjustifiably provoked. And uh, I pray that, you know, you would continue to pray for Ukraine. This may not go away very quickly. And uh, I want us to be in it for the long haul. Amen. Will you pray? Continue to pray for Ukraine. And also continue to give. You know, we raised, uh, together we raised $22,000 to help the cause through Convoy of Hope, through Assemblies of God World Missions. And a couple weeks ago, we took a special offering to provide materials for this team. And we still need more. So feel free in any offering that we receive here to just put Poland with your offering. And we will put that aside uh, so that they will have the, the money they need for materials in Poland to rehab this building. And also you can give online. There is a giving button. Again, it just says Poland. That's all. Because that's exactly where the building is and that's going to be working. So please continue to be concerned in prayer and in your giving towards this need. Amen. All right, hey, let's change gears, and um, we're gonna continue in our series today, The Knot, and I've got another video I wanna share with you this morning, so let's go ahead and show that video as we begin uh, session number two.
2: Hey, are you golfing today? Yeah. It's the second time this week. But you said it was
5: fine.
4: It is fine. It's perfectly fine.
5: Are you confused by female behavior? wish you had a translator to understand what she means? Well, you're in luck. Introducing the Manslator, a revolutionary device that translates woman language into simple man words. Finally, the power to know what she means. Okay, cool. Let me just check with my wife. Hey, babe, a tea
2: time open up later. You mind if I go? Fine. If that's what you want to do.
6: No go. Stay home.
2: On second thought, I think I'll just stay here with you and watch The Notebook.
6: Aw, how sweet.
5: Now that's more like it. The Manslator uses emotion deciphering technology to help you out of the toughest jams.
2: Hey, is everything okay? You sound upset. Why would I be upset? Forgot anniversary, jerk. Oh, no way.
1: Happy anniversary, babe.
4: You remembered. Come on, of
5: course I did. <laughs> Thanks to the Manslater's patented FemLogic processing chip, now any man can decode statements like, Are you
0: wearing that?
2: You change, now. Hey, do you want to get some coffee? Me
5: want
0: coffee.
2: Do you think she's pretty?
5: You think she prettier than me?
3: Oh, you're such a good friend.
5: Me never date you.
3: I'm fine.
6: Me not fine.
3: I'll be ready in five minutes.
6: Me ready 30 minutes.
3: Do whatever you want.
6: Do you no know, do what you want.
5: Could you rub my shoulders a little bit?
6: No, Hanky Panky.
5: Only massage. Be serious. The man's later even works on men. Finally, women can learn the deeper meaning of his words. Whoa. Your beauty is stunning. Hey, mind if I catch a movie with the guys? You are a lovely, wonderful woman who meets all of my needs. And even though I will miss you, this night I wish to see Death Cop 9 with my bros. I'm fine. I'm fine, really. Stop looking at me. The Manslator can even be customized, with voices of real celebrities being impersonated. Like Yoda. In much trouble you are. Do the doghouse go with you? Or Mr. T. I pity the fool. Leave the toilet seat up. So get your man's later today. Clarity is just a
3: phone call away.
5: You need buy me.
3: Lord, we pray this morning that you would give us understanding concerning your stipulations and your decrees and your laws as found in your word concerning marriage. Lord, I pray that both our hearts and our minds would be open to your word today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, folks, as I mentioned last week, the institution of marriage is much maligned today, and I'm convinced it is due primarily to a large-scale ignorance of what God has to say about the topic. And with recent statistics showing that Christians are divorcing slightly more often than non-Christians, I'm completely convinced that we need to know exactly what God has to say about the marriage bond. We need to look at the word, his words, and look at his guidelines for marriage. Common trend among the unmarried today is simply to live together, uh, to get to know each other before getting married in order to verify compatibility. And by the way, I wanted to find that word. Compatibility in that language means physical compatibility. And to that issue, I have but three responses. First of all, and trust me on this, Male and female anatomy is completely compatible, okay? In fact, you should have learned that in your high school biology class, all right? It's that obvious. Secondly, according to sociologists, those who do live together prior to marriage, should they then decide to marry each other later on, they are going to experience greater marital dissatisfaction and are more likely to divorce than couples who did not live together Before marriage. In other words, if you truly love someone and you want to be married to them for a lifetime, then you do not want to be involved sexually before marriage. And then, thirdly, the Bible says that premarital sex is sin. And God is so serious concerning the possibility of a man defiling a virgin woman that He gave some rather enduring remedies. And I want to read this to you from Deuteronomy 22. Verse 28 and 29, okay, this is why one reason why you need to be careful before marriage. It says, if a man happens to meet a virgin who is not pledged to be married and rapes her and they are discovered, he shall pay her father 50 shekels of silver. He must marry the young woman for he has violated her and he can never divorce her as long as he lives. How many of you knew that scripture existed? You see, the scriptures are true when they tell us that my people perish for lack of knowledge. We need to have much more Bible knowledge so that we can live blessed lives and enjoy a truly blessed marriage. God's word tells us how to live according to his prescribed order. It's very specific and how to be blessed by living according to his stipulations and his decrees and his laws. They're there for us. Last week, I gave you one of the five reasons or purposes for marriage. Number one was companionship. That was last week. And we all need God, of course, and he should be first in our lives. But we also need others. We, we, we crave human contact. And for most of us, we are created with a desire for a committed relationship with one other person, one other person of the opposite sex. We all want a faithful companion. We all want someone with whom to share our life. That is purpose number one. And then purpose number two, a second purpose for marriage, is to produce children who will live for God. If you remember Genesis 1.28 last week, the man and the woman are given a charge, and it is to be fruitful and multiply. In other words, kids are meant to be part of the package. In fact, in, in the end of the Old Testament, one of the minor prophets even says that, you know, what is it that God desires? Godly offspring. Godly offspring. You see, kids are meant to be part of the package. And this isn't, this isn't a Roman Catholic church thing. It isn't a doctrine against birth control. It's a God thing. The two become one. And one of the manifestations of this oneness is the beauty of 23 chromosomes from the male meeting up with 23 chromosomes from the female Husband and wife, one half of each one's genetic identity coming together and forming one of the greatest miracles that humans could ever be part of. The ability to create another life. You know what I'm talking about, right? A screaming, demanding, hungry diaper wedding machine called a baby. And sometimes the baby looks like dad. Dad. Sometimes it looks just like mom, and sometimes there's a perfectly blended equal combination of two. But what a miracle. Amen. What a blessing. I want us to look at Psalm 127, verse 1 through 5. It says, Unless the Lord builds a house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. In vain you rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat, for he grants sleep to those he loves. Then it changes and it says, Children are a heritage from the Lord, offspring a reward from him. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be put to shame when they contend with their opponents in court. And it's interesting to me how children today are sometimes considered to be a liability. And yet the Bible tells us that they're supposed to be considered as an asset, children are supposed to be considered as a blessing, even in this case, as we read, a blessing from God. And listen, the word tells us to have kids. Children are a good thing. And studies have shown that people with small children are less likely to divorce. And current research indicates that women who have given birth are at, are at less risk for developing breast cancer. There's benefits to having children. And, and by the way, China's one-child policy which finally came to an end a few years back, they've arrived at the point of revealing their folly. What a ridiculous thing. And governments do try to control, as you know. But the law in China for decades permitted only one child per family. Boys being preferred. Little girls oftentimes being aborted or murdered. And what has happened after more than five decades of this policy is that now, today, there are not enough brides for all the boys Are old enough to marry. And that's sad. There just aren't enough. Can you see why God's ways are perfect? Man's wisdom is foolishness. God's ways are perfect. And so having children is the second purpose of marriage. A third reason for marriage marriage is designed to protect both our character and our emotions. We protect our character and our emotions by refusing to have physical relations with anyone other than our spouse. I want us to look at Proverbs chapter 5. I'm going to be reading a number of verses. Very significant passage. Proverbs chapter 5, verse 1. My son, pay attention to my wisdom. Turn your ear to my words of insight, that you may maintain discretion, and your lips may preserve knowledge. For the lips of the adulterous woman drip honey, and her speech is smoother than oil. But in the end, she is bitter as gall, sharp as a double-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps lead straight to the grave. She gives no thought to the way of life. Her paths wander aimlessly, but she does not know it. Now then, my sons, listen to me. Do not turn aside from what I say. Keep to a path far from her. Do not go near the door of her house. Lest you lose your honor to others and your dignity to one who is cruel. Lest strangers feast on your wealth and your toil enrich the house of another. At the end of your life you will groan when your flesh and body are spent. You will say how I hated discipline, how my heart spurned correction. I would not obey my teachers or turn my ear to my instructors. And I was soon in serious trouble in the assembly of God's people. Drink water from your own cistern, running water from your own well. Should your springs overflow in the streets, your streams of water in the public squares, let them be yours alone, never to be shared with strangers. May your fountain be blessed and may you rejoice in the wife of your youth. A loving doe, a graceful deer, may her breast satisfy you always. May you ever be intoxicated with her love. Why, my son, be intoxicated with another man's wife? Why embrace the bosom of a wayward woman? For your ways are in full view of the Lord, and he examines all your paths. The evil deeds of the wicked ensnare them. The cords of their sins hold them fast. For lack of discipline, they will die led astray by their own great folly. And I I hope you you can gather, you know, grab onto the intensity of this chapter. The author of Proverbs, as he writes this, is obviously concerned about the morality of his son. Solomon was concerned about protecting his son's character and his son's emotional well-being. He was was concerned about protecting his, his son's physical person and his financial health. And I find this very interesting in light of society today, you see, because to some degree today, we still want to protect our daughters today. We would be ashamed, we'd be embarrassed if we learned of any immoral behavior on their their behalf. I think we're still there to some degree. But society today has created a double standard that says this. Says, well, you know, boys will be boys. You know, some kind of physical inappropriateness. Boys will be boys. Or if a son goes a little too far, some dads might be right there with it. That's my boy. But look at this chapter. And I love the fact that this this exists here for us. Because Solomon is not addressing his daughter's purity. Solomon values his son's moral purity. And I believe that all fathers, especially Christian fathers, should copy Solomon's stance. We should be actively teaching our sons high biblical and moral standards. We should be teaching them to our sons so that the girl doesn't have to say no. We should be reminding them to constantly keep themselves pure. Protecting themselves from immoral decisions. Because immorality damages people. Amen? It destroys their soul. I want you to take a look again at Proverbs chapter 5. Look at, look at all that you lose by being involved in an inappropriate sexual relationship. Verse 5 mentions Death. Death. Verse 6 spoke of crooked paths, meaning confusion. Verse 9, your strength will be given to others. Verse 10, you'll lose your wealth. Verse 11 speaks of sickness and infirmity. There's nothing good that's going to come out of that. And I'll tell you how I wish that our media, our newspapers, our news shows would come out with information about the diseases that are spread. By way of illicit sexual contact. What some people might refer to today as casual sexual contact. I mean, here, you know, here's a perfect example of hypocrisy. We're constantly being reminded in the media of how important it is to eat right and to exercise in order to be healthy. You know, heart health. You know, we need to eat the right things and cut back on the wrong things. And, and we, we, they're, they're constantly throwing that out, whether it be a commercial to buy a product or it be the, a news special, some kind of documentary. And yet there's this hidden epidemic of sexually transmitted diseases that no one, and I mean no one, will address. No one's telling us to stay away from that. They all want us to drop the carbs and drop the fat and drop the sugar, I guess that leaves us with cardboard, but no one will address the other more important health issues. And I find that to be a double standard. The media advises us concerning how to have a healthy physical heart, but not a healthy emotional heart. They want us to be disciplined in physical exercise, but not in physical relationships. Do you see the hypocrisy? And you probably aren't going to, you know, you probably don't want to hear this at church on a Sunday either, but the CDC lists over 30 different diseases that are spread through sexual contact. And I debated whether I should do this or not this morning, because I want to read you a partial list of the possible sexually transmitted diseases that you could get if you're in an inappropriate relationship. And I thought, you know, it's Sunday morning. These people don't want to hear this. They don't want sex education on Sunday morning. And honestly, as I read, I'm going to read them. <laughs> no, I really don't want to. It's either, because I don't want to read them because they sound horrible. And you know what? They are horrible. You know why they're horrible? Because they're diseases. They're diseases. There's nothing healthy. So if you would please permit me. You can't stop me, but I mean, just humor me. I want to give you a partial list of sexual, sexually transmitted diseases. And I really want our unmarrieds to hear this. Well, you know, you can be married and, and, and commit adultery too. So I want you all to listen. Look, these, are, these are just horrible sounding. Candida, cancroid, chlamydia. I'm reading them chronologically, alphabetically cytomegalovirus, genital herpes, genital warts, gonorrhea, HTLV 1 and 2, HPV, pelvic inflammatory disease, and syphilis. <gasps> Done. But that's only a third. That's only a third of what's out there. There are at least 20 more that I could, I could, I could list to you if I could pronounce them. Really. And many of these diseases lead to Sterility and some even to death. The CDC website reports that there are four to eight million, four to eight million new cases of chlamydia each year. Half a million new cases of genital herpes, 400,000 cases of gonorrhea, one million cases of pelvic inflammatory disease, and 5.5 million new cases of human papillomavirus. And you know, today, you, you, you might even put on your television, you'll see an ad for an HPV vaccine, Gardasil. It, it, it protects against four types of HPV. The problem is there are over 150 types of HPV. That's called Russian roulette. That's not going to protect your son or daughter or you personally from HPV. Furthermore, the Gardasil website itself states an interesting fact concerning HPV that it leads to cancer in women. It's not just a sexually transmitted disease, but they state that HPV type 16 and 18 cause about 75% of cervical cancer cases in females. That's 75% are attributed to HPV. I won't read the rest. It's bad. It's bad. That's why God said what he said in Proverbs chapter 5. You see, again, why isn't this kind of health information being disseminated to the same degree as diet and exercise information? And keep in mind, this isn't something that I stumbled on. I mean, I did research. This isn't something that I copied from a radical right-wing conservative Christian group. I'm not parroting what anyone else. said. I went right to the CDC. I went to the Gardasil website, which Gardasil is produced by Merck Pharmaceutical. You can look it up yourself. And get this, almost every secular source out there admits that the absolute safest way to avoid infection is to have a mutually monogamous relationship with an uninfected person. Did you get that? The best way to not contract an STD is, is to only be involved with one person in a mutually monogamous relationship And you know what? God said that a long time ago. God said it. He didn't suggest it. He said it. We're talking about biblical marriage. Now let's go back to Proverbs chapter 5 verse 17. Your springs are never to be shared with strangers. Verse 22 speaks of the snare, the bondage to sin, the hopelessness that ensues. Again, my people perish for lack of knowledge. Without a revelation, the people cast off restraint and they perish. If you play with fire, you're going to get burned. And talking about fire, we're going to read Proverbs chapter 6, verse 27. Can a man scoop fire into his lap without his clothes being burned? Is that rhetorical? Can a man walk on hot coals without his feet being scorched? So is he who sleeps with another man's wife. No one who touches her will go unpunished. People do not despise a thief if he steals to satisfy his hunger when he's starving. Yet if he's caught, he must pay sevenfold, though it costs him all the wealth of his house. But a man who commits adultery has no sense. Whoever does so destroys himself blows and disgrace are his lot and his shame will never be wiped away for jealousy arouses a husband's fury and he will show no mercy when he takes revenge he will not accept any compensation he'll refuse a bribe however great it is so as you can see here there's always a price and i know already some 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 of you some guys are breathing a sigh of relief because you've never committed adultery god bless some of you are saying, wow, you know, that was close, but the pastor can't get me on that one. I'm guilt-free. Adultery is not an issue for me. Never been with another woman. Well, listen to Matthew chapter 5, verse 27 and 28. Jesus says, you've heard it said, you shall not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman and lustfully, uh, excuse me, who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. You see, again, we're talking about character. We're talking about emotions this morning. And you know what character is. Character is who you are when no one's watching. Character is who you are when no one is watching. And although that pornographic image is not the same as being with an actual living adulteress, it still can do emotional damage. It still impacts your character. At the very least, it's going to create an unworthy hunger and a desire and possibly a dissatisfaction with your own marriage. Because you know what? There's no way that any wife can compete with an airbrushed image. There's just no way. Adultery is sin. God said that adultery in our heart is sin. And as I said earlier, immorality damages people and it destroys their soul. And that's one of the reasons that God has given to us the blessing of marriage. The Apostle Paul explained it this way. He says in 1 Corinthians 7, verse 1 and 2, Now for the matters you wrote about, it is good for a man not to marry. But since there is so much immorality, each man should have his own wife. And each woman, her own husband. You see, marriage is meant to protect us from immorality. It's meant to safeguard our character. It's meant to safeguard our emotions because marital unfaithfulness is devastating. A fourth purpose of marriage and closely related is that marriage is to help to promote the contentment and fulfillment of physical desires. If you're married, then you don't have to go out and look elsewhere. First Corinthians chapter seven, verse one through nine says, now for the matters you wrote about, it is good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman, but since sexual immorality is occurring, each man should have sexual relations with his own wife and each woman with her own husband. The husband should fulfill his marital duty to his wife, and likewise the wife to her husband. The wife does not have authority over her own body, but yields it to her husband. And in the same way, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but yields it to his wife. Do not deprive each other, except perhaps by mutual consent and for a time, so that you may devote yourselves to prayer. Then come together again, so that Satan will not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. Paul said, I say this as a concession, not as a command. I wish that all of you are as I am. And he meant single. But each of you has your own gift from God. One has this gift, another has that. Now to the unmarried and the widows, I say, it is good for them to stay unmarried as I do. But if they cannot control themselves, they should marry. For it is better to marry than to burn with passion. And ladies, I want to be very candid with you this morning. I want you to know, don't be surprised by this, that your husband has a natural desire for you and your body. Natural. And there may be times when you cannot understand his constant desire. You're assuming that his desires are probably abnormal. That he's some kind of freak of nature. But I want you to know that these desires are actually God-given. And the best way that I know of illustrating desire and satisfaction and then desire once again... In a mixed audience, such as we are here today, is to use the analogy of food and eating. I mean, have you ever noticed how satisfied we can feel after a really good meal? I mean, think maybe Thanksgiving, big Christmas dinner. Think back to the last time that you honestly knew that you could not eat another thing. I mean, you had to push yourself away from the table. But let me ask you, what happened hours later? Did you stop eating? (laughs) Of course not. After a while, you were probably ready for another meal. You know, just that one big meal didn't didn't take care of the whole week. And and no one questions that kind of desire or labels it as strange or abnormal or perverted. You know, really, you had a big Sunday dinner and it's Thursday and, and your wife, what are you eating again? Ladies, let your husband enjoy you So that there will not be the temptation to flirt at work, to be on the internet, or to sneak around with explicit materials. Because again, according to what we read in Proverbs chapter 5, sex with others depletes us. It steals. It destroys. Now, let's go back and look at Proverbs again. Chapter 5. Because what I noticed in the midst of all the debauchery that is mentioned there, all that I read, there are three verses that really present hope. Verses 17, 18, and 19. I want us to look at this. 17 says, let them be yours alone, never to be shared with strangers. Yours alone. Verse 18, may your fountain be blessed and may you rejoice in the wife of your youth. Verse 19, a loving doe, a graceful deer. May her breast satisfy you always. May you ever be intoxicated with her love. And, ladies and gentlemen, that right there is the essence of marital union. Verse 18, rejoice in the wife of your youth. And the word rejoice here actually means to be brightened, to be cheered up. Guys, we should receive joy from our wives. And ladies, consider it a privilege to be able to bring such joy to your husband. No one else could or should be doing that. Verse 19, satisfaction is mentioned. And and this word is meant as a quenching of our thirst, like the quenching of a desert thirst. And only wives, again, only wives can bring this kind of satisfaction. And verse 19, I love this one. It says that we, husbands, are to be captivated by her love. And it's so interesting because the word in the Hebrew is shogau, which means intoxicated, led astray. That's good, to be led astray by your own wife, to be intoxicated by her love, to be enraptured by her love. Husbands are to be intoxicated by the love of their wife. I mean, believe it or not, besides a career and kids, there can still be passion in marriage. And if you ever want to read more about passion marriage, just go to the Old Testament book of the Song of Solomon. You know, I have never taught a Bible study or preached a sermon on the Song of Solomon. So watch out. I don't. No, I honestly don't think you can in church. I really don't. I think I'd probably lose my salvation. I mean, you ought to read that. You're, really, I, 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 I can't tell you the last time I read it devotionally. Not a good idea, but it is God's word. And then finally, a fifth purpose of marriage is to illustrate commitment. The commitment that exists between Christ and his church. I want us to look at Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22. It says, Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives... Should submit to their husbands in everything. Now, I just want to pause there for a minute because I've shared this before, but not in this setting. That word is that wives are to submit to their husbands. I want to make it clear that females are not to submit to all males. That's not what it's saying. Women do not submit to all males, it's about spouses. But they feed and care for their body just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you must also, also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. And, you know, I believe that it's significant that God chose to illustrate his relationship with us by using the bonds of marriage. I mean, God could have chosen any other analogy, any other illustration, but he chose chose to select the most intimate of all human relationships. There isn't anything more special that we have in life than our bond with our wife, our bond with our husband. And God says, if you look at that, if if you can find a perfect marriage, which you can't, but if you can find a really good marriage, you get an idea of what our relationship should be with God. I mean, two strangers come together from unique and different worlds. It's amazing the combinations that come together in marriage. But that's what marriage is. We come from different worlds. Two different people, two different genders, two different ways of thinking, two different brains. Then you think about our relationship with God. We were once enemies of God. Talk about coming from a different place. We lived in darkness and sin. We lived in darkness and sin in a fallen world. And yet God sent His Son from heaven, sinless, to come into our darkness. To the point of laying down His life for us. To love us. To the point of laying down His life for us. And now we're one with Him. If you know Jesus Christ, we are betrothed to Him. Someday there will be a wedding feast. And to think that every time there's a wedding, the type of our marriage to Christ is being reenacted before others. Christ and the church is the highest ideal of the marriage that can exist between husbands and wives. And Ephesians is so clear. It says, wives, submit to your husbands as unto the Lord. And then it says, husbands, love your wives. And guys, this is a challenge because I want you to know the word that Paul uses here in verse 25 is Agape. Husbands are to agape their wife. In other words, agape is the word that means God love. We're to love as God. We're supposed to love her as God would love her. Unconditionally. Not loving her just when it's easy. Loving her at all times. And that is an incredible challenge. I want to close with this thought. None of us will ever be perfect in this. Okay, so just accept that this morning. But each one of us can have a good marriage and a better marriage if we will take the effort. It's going to require work. But you know what? Nothing worthwhile happens all by itself. Amen? I want us to consider the analogy of Ephesians chapter 5. Ladies, do not fear submission. And gentlemen, don't be afraid to love without grudges. To love selflessly. It's a tall order for both sides. It's a tall order. But we will, over time, we will reap if we sow good seed. Let's pray. Father, I pray, God, for marriages, of course, those that already exist in this room. As well as those that are pending this summer and this fall. And Lord, those that are yet to come in the years ahead. Lord, for everyone that's heard this message this morning, Lord, I pray God for good marriages. If they're in a marriage now, great marriages. Marriages that would be an example for others to desire. And, Lord, I pray, God, for those who would desire to marry someday in the future. I pray, God, your grace. I pray pray that you would would bring understanding about this unique relationship that you established from the very beginning in the book of Genesis. And, Lord, I pray, too, for every one of us, male and female, because of the world that we live in, I pray purity. Lord, I pray purity. Purity. Lord, that not one of us would, would be so ignorant as to heap fire into our lap. Lord, that we would do anything that would, that would destroy our character, that would damage our emotional self, and Lord, that we would care as much about our, our spiritual health as our physical health. Lord, I thank you, God, that you are the author and designer of marriage. And you knew that it was, it was not right for Adam to be alone, that he was alone and lonely. And you created a woman for the man and the two become one. And Lord, I pray, God, for you to work in each one of our lives, whether we're married or single, in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Let's stand together. Father God, I pray, Lord, your blessing in our lives, Lord, I pray that you'd make us a blessing through our lives to others. Lord, as we leave this place now, Lord God, use us for your purpose and your glory. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you.